Paula Jenkins, a transformative life coach and podcaster. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that talks about the stories of people following their hearts, finding work that lights them up, and looking at how joy plays a part in their journey. To learn more about this podcast or to find out more about me, just head on over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 46 of Jumpstart Your Joy. I am so excited because this week marks the first time that I've had someone on for a third interview here on Jumpstart Your Joy. So this week, I've got Marla Silly, who is the fly lady from flylady.net back. And I want to welcome all the new listeners. I know there have been a lot of new people hitting the site and subscribing. So thanks, you guys. It's so wonderful to have you here. I am hoping everybody's having a great summer. As some of you know, about three years ago, I set up what I now call my 10 in 3, which was the 10 things I wanted to do over the next three years. And the summer of 2016 was joyfully labeled the summer of magic. So a quick update. Uh, I have a son who is five and I call Zoom on social media and here on the podcast. And he and I have had Mondays and Fridays this summer together before he goes to kindergarten. This last week, we went to the Jelly Belly factory, which is near us in Fairfield, California. We got to see all the machines working. We got to see a spider packer, which has these amazing arms that grab each of the packages and put them in boxes. And also got to see how they make the beans themselves. It was so much fun. So we did that. And we also went to our favorite Gilroy Gardens, which is great for that age group. If you live in the Bay Area, that was on Saturday. So if you guys want to follow along or if if you're having or want to have your own summer of magic, you can follow me on Instagram over there. I am at Jumpstart Your Joy. I will link this up in the show notes as well. And you could use the hashtag summer of magic <laughs> and I'll be sure to stop over and comment and like your pictures. I love to see what's going on with all of you guys. If you are new, welcome. If you want to learn more about this particular episode with Marla, you can go to the site at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 46, and you'll get all the links and the information that we talk about there. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or TuneIn Radio, which is our latest um, syndication location. <laughs> and the the podcasts Jumpstart Your Joy on any of those. I love it when you guys leave reviews. A review or a rating is so wonderful and just lights up my day. Another exciting turn of events, I have a very first article up on the Huffington Post, and that is three ways to fight overwhelm and add more joy to your life, which I will be linking up to on the homepage of Jumpstart Your Joy totally excited to have that article up because I'm so blown away by it. Um, So on to today's interview with Marla Silly. She was on the show for episodes 18 and 19, where we talked about finally loving yourself and learning to find joy in the everyday. Uh, And I asked her at that time if she would come back sometime closer to the end of season one. It's such a fun conversation. I really didn't do any edits, which is a first time for that as well. We talk about overwhelm, which has been a really, it's been a topic that I've really enjoyed recently. We also talk about the dance of turning habits into routines, which is a really lovely way to fight overwhelm. And it's one of the principles of her whole message and how finding joy in everything that you do changes your entire outlook. So I am so excited to have her back for a third time. Here's the interview with Marla Silly. Thank you so much, Marla, for coming back for what will be a third episode. It's great to have you on Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Last time we talked, we talked about both finally loving yourself and the fly lady. I'll call it a program, but and then more in depth about your book and some other things that you've been working on recently. But we didn't get into habits and routines. So I was wondering if you would share about that today. Well, we've been called everything from a program to a cult. So (laughs) I like to think of it as a ministry. I never thought of it that way until a couple of years ago. But what we're trying to do is to help these women, there goes my timer, help these women to find their, their place, what they're supposed to be doing with their lives. And as long as they're homes and their lives are in chaos, they can't find out what their purpose is, why God put them here on earth. And this falls right in line with what you're doing with with your coaching. 
mm-hmm. it's finding your joy because I live by the rule to find joy in everything I do. And this was my motto many years ago before Fly Lady even started. I met this wonderful man, my husband, and and I wanted to be this loving wife. When he asked me to marry him, he said, I don't need a housekeeper. I don't need a cook. I don't need somebody to do my laundry. My arm ain't broken. If it is, I'll hire it done. And and that that made me feel so guilty because I could... You know, I was, I'm a great cook, but I don't cook often. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I just, you know, I wanted to be this wonderful white hand. And somebody asked me one day, I was a county commissioner at the time, and they asked me why, uh, you know, what was my motto, my personal motto? And I thought, well, I don't have one. And then it just came out to be a devoted, loving wife to my sweet darling and to find joy in everything I do. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was that if I do, if I find joy in everything I do, then I don't need that first part to be a devoted, loving wife because I am when I'm yeah. finding that joy. And, you know, joy, it, it's just the basis of everything. Even, you know, finding joy in sweeping a floor, mopping a floor. It's all about having fun. And that joy comes through. Mm-hmm. in what I do with the ladies and and what we're doing today. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, I know, like, I have a five-year-old, and he loves to mop the floors because it's fun. And I'm like, well, have at it. <laughs> if you're finding that to be fun, I want to encourage that in him. So. Well, there's, yeah. n- there's nothing more fun than putting some shaving cream down on the floor and, or making some... Um, foamy stuff out of baby shampoo and and the blender and throwing it down on the floor and letting them slip and slide in their bathing suits. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It's it's just, you know, when you can make something fun, it'll get done. And when you can let little ones do it for you, I mean, they're right that, down there on the floor and they have a ball doing it. They do. Yeah, it's funny. And I'll post pictures of him doing the, you know, cleaning things. And people are like, how do you do that? And I'm like, well, he thinks it's fun. So, of course, he wants to do it. Well, you never have you never use cleaning house, washing dishes or anything as a punishment. If you do, you have ruined the child for his entire life. Yeah, because then it becomes a, a, a drudgery and uh, I got a testimonial one time from a lady and she was standing at her kitchen sink washing dishes and tears were just rolling down her face and it finally came to her she says why am I crying hmm. why am I and she realized that as a child the only time she was ever ever did dishes was when she was being punished and she it was PTSD and when she had that realization it clicked that she doesn't you know she's not being punished she's been blessed with this wonderful family who dirties up dishes and dirties up laundry Mm -hmm. and she has the ability to bless them by doing the dishes yeah yeah and it is really all in that mindset of if it feels kind of overwhelming or it feels like a chore or something that we have to do, then it, yeah, it becomes less enjoyable for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So we want to, we want to eliminate chore and job and, and just turn it into blessings for your family. We want to eliminate the perfectionism that comes along with, I know when I was a child, I was forced to clean my bathroom. And sometimes, well, not my bathroom, the family bathroom. We had a one bathroom home and sometimes it would take three or four hours and then it wasn't done to suit mother and it had to be redone. And I couldn't see anything wrong with what I had done. So, Mm -hmm. you know, making that perfectionism keeps us from doing things because we're scared we'll do it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and do you think that's where a lot of people get into the sense of feeling like overwhelmed by the amount of work or what stops people have you found what stops them from starting? What stops that? them from starting is the fact that they might do something wrong. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't matter what it is. Even joining Fly Lady, they they think uh, a lot of people think that that's they're doing Fly Lady wrong. Well, the only way to do Fly Lady wrong is not to do anything at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But even if you're reading the messages, then you're you're going to have a whole. You're, I'm gonna. We lovingly call it fly washing. Mm-hmm. It's. It, I'm gonna get in your head, and you're gonna start hearing my voice if you're listening, if you're watching my videos, or hearing me on a podcast, or wherever. You're gonna start getting this southern accent in your brain, and you're gonna say, "What would fly lady do?" and and you would start hearing me say, I'm so proud of you, and you can do this just two minutes. You know, anytime you catch yourself saying, I don't have time to do something, I want you to set your timer for two minutes and do exactly what you said you didn't have time to do. Two minutes is better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's often totally surprising how much can get done. I mean, I, I know from a from the perspective of like unloading the dishwasher well yeah it only takes me as long as it does to make a cup of coffee so (laughs) when I'm like getting all in my head about oh no I don't have time or it's too much like no just build it in and it gets done and it doesn't take that long when you're using an action like making coffee as your timer to do your floors or empty the dishwasher you know, anything like that that you can utilize. I mean, you stick something in the microwave to heat up for lunch for two minutes. In two minutes, you can have your floors done or you can have your furniture dusted while that's going on. Instead of standing standing there looking at the timer, you know, like you're on Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, how do you identify what habits are oh, and how do you start forming them? With um, with our system, system, ministry, whatever, we practice a new habit each month. And the month of July is swish and swipe. And the year starts out, and I think we covered this before, but let's go yeah. over it right quick. January is keeping your sink clean and shiny. It's also keeping your sink clean and shiny whenever you join. That's That's the habit you stick with. February is decluttering 15 minutes a day. March is getting dressed to lace up shoes. April is um, making your bed. May is moving your body. Uh, June is drinking your water. July, swish and swipe. August is a load of laundry a day. September is your before bed routine. October is paper clutter, dealing with your paper clutter and getting rid of the mounds. Uh, November is menu planning and December is pampering yourself. And that goes through the whole gamut. And it's some of them are morning habits. Some of them are evening habits. Some of them are afternoon habits. And by the time you get through the whole year, you're piggybacking different things on the things that you have practiced for a whole month. Now, psychologists tell us it takes 21 days to to you know establish a habit. Well, it's not true for sidetracked people. <laughs> Cuz with our perfectionism, we if we miss a day, we want we just throw the baby out with the bathwater. We think, well, we've messed up now and we can't do this. And so we we just throw it out and we just go on to something else. What I want you to do is give yourself a little grace. Find the joy in, yeah, you messed up yesterday, but that's okay. It was a busy day. A lot of people to the house. We had a party. So what? Accept it. Love yourself in spite of it and jump right back in where we are. And that way you don't, you don't really beat yourself up. You know, part of Flying is learning to love yourself the way you are and accepting things. This morning, I got this wonderful message on Facebook from a friend of mine who is, um, he he has ADHD, but he's also a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And he takes his ADHD to a new level. He's changed the, the terminology from ADHD to making it an asset instead of a liability. Because mm-hmm. those of us who have ADHD, and I've already proved it to you in this <laughs> interview, uh, we we love it because we're we're not so much manic as we are excited and curious. 
you know, we have this curiosity about things and we run with things and mm-hmm. it's just fun for us. It's a joy. It's a joy for us. Uh, it's, it's hard on other people around us. <laughs> I, I had a business manager one time. He said, Marla, you can think of more things to do in five minutes than we can implement in two years. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Like, the brainstorming power there is so, like, it's so amazing. Yeah. It, it's wonderful. And when you embrace it instead of beat yourself up about it, yeah, you can get so many things accomplished and, and learn to love that part of yourself. Mm-hmm. And and I use a timer to keep me focused. I mean, you heard my timer go off earlier. Right. Uh, keeping me focused. I mean, I need to get up and move during the day. So I set my timer for every 15 minutes. So I get up and do something. And uh, it's just it's my timer helps me to know when to stop and to know when to start. Right. And that's pretty much all it does. And but Jerry Mills wrote this wonderful song about. When he found out he had ADHD mm-hmm. and he, he, I posted it on our Facebook page today and he, he's just an amazing songwriter, but he works with ADHD people all over the world and he has learned how to embrace what would be a liability to some people to become creative, creative and and, you know, doing what God put him here to do. Yeah, that's amazing. So it, he's found a way to kind of harness the power of it and and accept probably the part that where some people say, oh, well, you should go, you, you know, you should focus and you should do these things in an order. I mean, I, I work with clients on the same thing where it's like, well, but shouldn't I have a schedule? And I'm like, well, you know, kind of what do you think? Like, like how does it work for you best? Because the shoulds will pull us apart every time. Every time. Yeah. And, and when, when you got to say, uh, I hate lists. I mean, we've all made them. Mm-hmm. But that's why I started building a control journal because I didn't want to rewrite the list every day and started building one habit upon another. When I got organized, I, you know, I, my only habit to practice for that month of January was keeping my sink clean and shiny. Yeah. And I did it. But because I kept the sink clean and shiny, the countertops got cleared, the stove got clean, the kitchen floor was clean, and the kitchen was a, a wonderful place that welcomed you in the morning instead of being greeted with the mystery water and and dirty dishes. Yeah. So it gave me hope, and from that one habit, it expanded into the other habits, and I stringed them together keeping the sink clean and shiny. If I go into the kitchen and cook, I start with a sink full of hot soapy water mm. and I clean as I go. And I don't try to do too many things at one time. I focus on one dish. I do this. I learned this at Thanksgiving. You know, you get all this stuff going and your kitchen explodes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you don't have to use every pot in the kitchen to cook. Right. Yeah. So, You've got to learn your style and then adapt it a little bit so that you're not making a bigger mess for yourself to clean up. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you've said about being, what, aware that if you create a habit around something that it does help remind you to do other pieces of, of a, around that task, like that you're kind of harnessing the good of, of a habit. To make well, it a bigger t- picture item. Let me tell you about um, my before bed routine. I have this one little, little. I won't call it a. It's a. It's a cue for me before I walk out of the bathroom door to go to bed. I look at myself in the mirror, and I point to my eyes because I put these eye drops in at night. I uh, put earplugs in. I point to my ears. I point to my nose because I I use a nose spray, and then. Um, my lips need um, chapstick before I go to bed, and I also need to take my medication. So I go eyes, ears, nose, mouth. That's my before bed routine for getting and brushing my teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that is rolled into looking at myself in the mirror. It's just a blink, 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 and <laughs> and then 
usually every night I've either forgotten to take my meds or forgotten to brush my teeth or forgotten to put on chapstick. Last night I forgot to put the eye drops in. And it's just a simple little thing that helps me to realize I've missed a step. Mm -hmm. But I don't beat myself up. I just go do it and then I hop in the bed. And it's made my before bed routine go much faster with that one little thing to look at. It's kind of like looking at a putting the eyes, ears, nose, and mouth on Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and I love that it's, I mean, you can't really, you can't miss it. Like, it's simple and built in, but it's also, it takes the overwhelm out of it. Like, instead of maybe some people might feel like, oh, I've got so much to do before I can go to bed. But really, is breaking it down into simple steps makes it doable too and laughing at yourself because you need to look in the mirror to see if you've done it all (laughs) (laughs) yeah I love it yeah what do you think is stopping I mean perfectionism gets in the way but is it I know you also talk about I think you guys or you call it is it your stinking thinking is that one of the phrases oh that's a that's a common term for yeah (laughs) for people in 12-step programs and oh is it (laughs) oh yeah it's it's a it's it's a common thing stinking thinking is I read a book many years ago and it was by a man named Burns I can't think of his first name Mm -hmm. but um it had a list of 10 things that were stinking thinking and I only got through the third chapter, I think, and but I read that list of the stinking thinking things. <laughs> yeah. And it, it just clicked with me. And it it's all about cognitive therapy. I'm not a psychologist. My sister it is. <laughs> and and I've showed her this book and she says, This is just plain old common sense. And I <laughs> said, Yeah. Well, I didn't need anything else after that. She went on and got her PhD in it. So <laughs> but she you know she, she sort of we work hand in hand with what you know this stinking thinking yeah and it's catastrophizing it's always thinking that the worst is going to happen it's you know it's all or nothing that's mm-hmm. what perfectionism is you either do it or you don't you know you just give up it, it, it's this whole list of things and it was just such common sense for me Mm -hmm. and I think that's why people like our system yeah I'm real I you know I let you know if I you know when things don't go quite the way I expected them to and you get to laugh at it with me not Mm -hmm. at me but with me right yeah well and I I think that is what's refreshing is because it brings it into I mean, by starting with cleaning, that's a place to start, but it's so much more. Like, oh, yeah. the thinking, thinking goes across all sorts of things. Like, if you have a dream and you want to follow it, well, I, you know, when you're aware that your brain is doing that and has that running dialogue, then lots of times it's like, oh, wait, no, I'm just making this worse than it is. If I just start, <laughs> then I've started. <laughs> so Right. Yeah. It's, it's one step. I watched my husband one time. I wanted some shelves in the basement. Mm-hmm. And he... He had a tough job. Uh, he's retired now, so I need a little sympathy. He's been retired seven years, and we both are working from home. I can go to the office if I need to get away, but I don't. I like to. I like to be in my little nature setting, and it it it's conducive for me getting a lot of stuff done and interviews, except for if my dog's barking. <laughs> when when he retired, well, he was working as a judge, but he would come in every night. After we'd have dinner, and he'd go down into the basement, and he'd do something. It didn't matter if it was five minutes or an hour. He would do something on this project of building me these wonderful shelves. Mm-hmm. Well, when he got these shelves built, he called me down the boss into the basement, and he he, uh, he he crawled into the shelves and and reclined on them. <laughs> to show me how strong they were. Wow. And, and it took him, you know, a month or so of doing something every day because they're floor to ceiling, a whole wall. And But he he was in project mode. He had to do one thing. And 
today, well, for the last three days, he has been in project mode. We live in the woods. I mean, 10 acres of woods. Mm-hmm. And he has been coming to the kitchen window and looking out the kitchen window at our view of the woods. And he has gone out and underbrushed. So he's cutting down little sapling maple trees and all this stuff growing on the on the forest floor to kind of open up the view. And it's amazing what he's accomplished with <laughs> five minutes here and five minutes there with the yeah. loppers. And this project mode is really something for us to embrace because mm-hmm. project mode doesn't it's not, you know, with with us sidetracked people. We want to get it all done. We want the house to be cleaned all at one time. We we don't think we're cleaning unless we're spending eight hours. Mm-hmm. And I found from watching him that we can get into a little project mode with our home. We don't have to spend eight hours cleaning or all day Saturday cleaning. We can do five minutes here, two minutes there, 15 minutes decluttering. And, you know, it all comes together. It might not all come together at once, but we have to recognize that's our perfectionism that wants it to all come together at once. Right. Yeah. And that's so that's so true. It's so funny because I'm looking out my back window and I've taken to filling our green bin, you know, with cuttings once a week. I just do as much as will fit into the green bin, and then I'm done, right? Like, because, I mean, the, the yard's never done. It's no. It's growing and keep changing. and But if I can just, and that's all I can get rid of in a week, so that's just what I've taken to doing. And it's like now it's now it's a habit and a routine, you know, and, and that's that's how I face it every week. And, yeah, now I can notice that it's, it looks better. But, but yeah, it's that I, if I went with all or none, there'd be no way to get rid of all of it either. Right. <laughs> You just have to sort of dive into a little area and work your way around the yard so that you're not going to make one area shine as much as the other ones aren't, you know? So right, yeah. You just move it around and you'll eventually, the encroaching vegetation will go away. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, and that seems so true for the house, too, that it really is the baby steps of do as much as you can for these for this set amount of time. I mean, that's that's probably exactly where I got it was from the timer. You know, it's a contained amount of time and, and I can do this much and then I can be done. And, and a, a lot of people like to put their headsets on and go listen to a playlist while they do something in the yard or call a friend and talk to them on the phone while they're doing it. You can piggyback a couple of things with what you're doing. I mean, I love to listen to books. Mm-hmm. When I'm in project mode and I can actually remember it's weird when you're listening to a book, you can remember what you were doing when you heard that thing, yes. heard that portion. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's so it's, amazing. It's it, I don't know what it is. If our brain is just we're we're imprinting that memory on the left side of our brain. It's just crazy to me that it works like that and my grandchildren have just started listening to uh, their 10 and 13 to the Harry Potter books mm-hmm. they've not seen the movies but they're listening to the audio versions of them and Justin my son is just blown away how the kids have gotten into it just hearing it mm-hmm. so you know filling our heads with good stuff and and you know allowing ourselves to you know, have a movie day and to bless our bodies by resting sometimes is is good, too. So that's what flying is all about is, is a system of rewards and no punishment. We don't do punishment, but it's it's rewards and loving ourselves through the process. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that idea, too, of the rest. I don't, why, why do you think it is that we don't rest? Is that also perfectionism or is it just... Is it a <laughs> is it a kickback from too many to do lists? Or? I think it's 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 perfectionism, but it's it's our mothered attitude that it's a martyred attitude. With that, that we push ourselves to the point that we are exhausted. We have two speeds, ninety miles an hour, and dead stop. And if we'll learn to pace ourselves, 
15 minutes here, rest for 10 minutes, 15, another 15 minutes on another portion. We will get much more done than we ever thought was possible by pushing ourselves. I know many years ago when I was a county commissioner, I went to a, a retreat up in the National Forest, and I live in a beautiful area where half of our county is National Forest and state parks and <clears throat> the Blue Ridge Parkway. I can see the Blue Ridge Parkway out my back deck. Mm-hmm. And we it, it, we are the cradle of forestry. And, and this I learned this early on. The head forest ranger was speaking at this tr- retreat, and he, he was talking about this this logger who was a young energetic kid and he went out with a logging crew and this is when they used axes. He went out with a logging crew and he cut down seven trees the first day. He was so happy he had cut down seven trees. And the next day he gets up, he eats breakfast, goes out with the crew and he only cuts down six. And he he can't figure it out. So the next morning, he skips breakfast and just heads on out. And that day, he only cuts five. And he's just, you know, all puzzled at what's going on. And he tried it one more day on his own. He got up an hour early. He went out, kept cutting, 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 only cut down four trees. (laughs) And finally, he went to the superintendent. He said, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And he said, he said to this young man, you got to sharpen your axe. You see me every hour sit down and take the file and sharpen my axe. Not only am I resting, but I'm honing the axe to do a better job. We've got to remember that we have to take time out to just be, just relax. Yesterday was was my, Tuesday is kind of a me day for me. So I watched Chick Flick. I, I, I pulled it up on Amazon and, and watched a baseball movie that, uh, you know, the love of the game and I cried my eyes out. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just need two hours of tears, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's cleansing. It is, yeah. Well, and it gives you it's a space to, like, feel emotions that maybe, yeah, that just need to come out. Yeah. And it's okay. We don't have to beat ourselves up because we took two hours and watched a movie. Exactly. I was at home alone. It was wonderful. I could cry without anybody making fun of me. And it was, you know, it was my time. But I took that two hours and really enjoyed myself. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. But as women and mothers and wives, we don't, we push ourselves all the time to get everything done. And the harder you work, more things don't get done. Right. You're running around, spinning in your kitchen, not knowing which way to go. And you've just got to pace yourself. And remember the the fable of the tortoise and the hare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it is, I mean, we are taught to multitask, but I mean, obviously, I mean, even studies show that humans are not good multitaskers, even though that seems to still be a very prized skill set, you know, in, in worker life, meaning if, you, if you're in a corporate setting, they really, they push it, but. Well, yeah. they shouldn't because it's not. <laughs> It's yeah. not effective. Right. I mean, I have a blue tick hound dog laying right beside me on a bed. And he likes to chase rabbits and raccoons and all kinds of stuff. But he can only chase one at a time because they get away from him. If, he, if, he, if his attention goes elsewhere, he loses the scent. So we've got to learn to focus. And our timer helps us to focus. Mm-hmm. It also helps us to stop for 15 <laughs> yeah. minutes. Yeah. And you don't reset your timer and do the same thing over again. You stop and do, you know, rest for a little bit and then you go do something different because we get bored easily. 
Well, and do you think bored is what pulls us off the job we're on? Especially, I mean, I guess there's a couple things there, right? Like if we think we have to clean out the garage and it's, and we're going to do it eight hours on Saturday, we're going to do it all. Well, well don't do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> like obviously we get bored and worn out and like, I'm just... Yeah, I guess, does it make it better? Yeah, and I'm not saying we should do that, of course. Well, but what I want you to do is to go out and clean off one shelf. Right, yeah. And put the stuff that you need to get rid of in the trash or in the car to give away or, you know, to take to the dump or whatever you're going to do with it. You just have to, you know, repurpose it or whatever you're going to do. But you got to get it in the car to get to the place you're going to take it. And if you do one shelf, just like you're doing your yard, you just move around, move around the garage one shelf at a time. Yeah. The same thing in your closet. Go in and pluck out five dresses, five outfits that you don't like. We can all do that. Mm-hmm. But I don't want you to pull everything out of your closet and try it on. <laughs> yeah. That's just, that's a. We've made a bigger mess than we have time to clean up. So I just want you to go pluck, precisely pluck things off those shelves. Right. Last week, I got rid of shoes. I went in there with some uh, some grocery bags and got rid of about 10 pairs of shoes that either my feet didn't feel good in them, I didn't like them because they were too, too cutesy or whatever, and... I blessed someone else with them and they were told to bless someone else with what they didn't want. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you're bringing that up too, because I know there's uh, a very popular book out there right now that I think it actually says to take everything out of your closet and hold it in your hand and decide if it brings you joy and then put back only the things that you feel really good about. But I've been so hesitant to do that. Just, I mean, knowing that if I got everything out of my closet, it would be so overwhelming that I would not, I might feel joy for 10 minutes doing it, but it, then it would be like, what do I do with all this? Well, what happens with one of my fly babies, and I get really passionate about this. Mm-hmm. People will be talking about this method, and I don't even know the name, but they start talking about it on my Facebook page, and I have told my Facebook moderators, whenever they see somebody talking about it, to ban them. Because it's too overwhelming for my babies. It's, 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 I would die if I pulled everything out of my closet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I have decluttered so many clothes in the last year. I've gotten my wardrobe down to a bare minimum Mm -hmm. and gotten rid of everything that doesn't fit and doesn't look good on me. I've, I've done it. Yeah. But to pull everything out. And and throw it on the bed or on the dresser and then turn around. It's perfectionism that wants you to see this empty, empty walk-in closet. It's your perfectionism that that plays havoc with you. And when you recognize that it's perfectionism and somebody telling you to do this and me saying, don't do that, don't do that, just pluck a few things. Mm-hmm. When you turn around and see the mess that you've created... Yeah. I mean, I tell people when they're decluttering to and I've told I've done it for almost 20 years now. You know, you pick something up and you say, do I love you? Do I have a place for you? Do Mm -hmm. you make me smile? And if do I have two of you? You know, when you when you look at things from that standpoint, if you don't have a place for it, then it needs to go away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you don't love it, it doesn't make you smile. I mean, the best compliment I ever got was somebody walked in my door and they looked at our home and they said, this house looks just like you and Robert. Because hmm, yeah. we only have things in our home that make us smile. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the simplicity of that, of, of I mean, just even to go back to the closets for a second of of taking the time that you need instead of it being someone else telling you this is the way to do it. Cause yeah, once again, that kind of does, it does feed into perfectionism that there is a right and a wrong way to do it. Well, I'm telling people this is the right way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a There's good free. medium here. Yeah. You, you can try it this other way, but when I get the testimonial that says I should have listened to you, I pulled everything out of my closet 
I had this happen with somebody's library one time. Oh, gosh. She pulled all the books out of her library to dust them. And if I did that, my husband would have a heart attack. Yeah. Because he has the book or books organized just the way he wants them. Mm-hmm. And I have one shelf. <laughs> <laughs> So, and my one shelf consists of of the books that I've written in different languages. So. Yeah. But I have other shelves in in my front bedroom. So it's it's a this is his library, but I'm not gonna mess with it. If I want to dust the books, I take a can of air, spray air, and spritz them real good, and take the feather duster and do the uh, that does the top of the books. And if I ever want to clean behind the books. My son can do that after we're dead and gone. <laughs> I love it. Sorry, I just snorted. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, well, and it's true because, well, books, oh, my gosh, what goes on? I don't know if you have insight on this, but, like, somehow I get emotionally attached to books for no good reason. And then it's so hard to declutter them. <laughs> like, I don't even get what's going on there. Well, if you have a place to donate them where you – can bless someone else. We have the AAUW um, that has a book sale every every summer, and Robert went down and bought a half a dozen books for two dollars a piece or something. But he also took books, and he takes books. He he moves through things, but he has his favorite books, yeah. and that he can look things up and read me poetry and all kinds of wonderful stuff. And it's just you know. It's comforting. It's it's surrounding yourself with things that bring you joy, that bring you comfort, that knowing that you can take that book off the shelf and smell that book hmm. and know that it was your mother's book or, I mean, I have my father's Bible sitting right beside me. Hmm. I got it out yesterday. And, you know, knowing that he held this book, he wrote in this book, and it's okay to keep those things. But not everything is special. No, and I think that that's where I've gotten to as well, is that there's some things that don't need to be precious, is the word that I use for it, is that it's okay, you know, a lot of even my son's baby stuff, like, I don't need to be precious about it, like, <laughs> the jumperoo or the the pack and put, yes, he was a tiny baby in them, but they could go on to bless somebody else, and I don't need to be too attached. I would keep a couple of them to pass down to grandchildren. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we are, we will, we are doing that. <laughs> I have a box of like the special stuff because it's, it's hard to let go. Some of the tiny things. Well, it's, it's hard for mommy. Mm. And if the kids see you having a hard time letting go of things, they start having a hard time letting go of things. I was at a conference this spring and this woman was talking about how she had to go into her son's room and declutter everything out of the room. And, you know, he he this little kid had this horrified look on his face. Yeah. And that she was getting rid of his stuff. Right. And he walked the little boy walked away and I said, You're creating a hoarder. Mm, yeah. You have to let him help you declutter. Right. And however you decide to do that, it is it's you know, kids like to have yard sales. I I saw a cute little thing for the 4th of July uh, day before yesterday that this boy set up a history booth in his front yard instead of a <laughs> lemonade stand. Yeah. And he had these history books out there and he was learning stuff, but somebody pay him a quarter and he'd tell, they could ask a question. He'd look it up for them. And, you know, kids love to set up stands in the yard, set up stands with their toys and let them donate them or, you know, give them away or, or sell them for a dollar a piece and plan something to do with that money, like go to a water park or go to, you know, to a movie on a rainy day or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really nice idea because yeah, I've, I've seen it before with my son, but even if he says, yeah, we can give that away to someone else who might love it. Um, <laughs> the minute it's in the donation pile, everything becomes important <laughs> to come back out. So yeah, it's that kind of knowing the, the balance and maybe making it so. Well, get him a Rubbermaid tub that's about the six gallon one that, you know, stands up about 18 inches. Mm-hmm. And let that be all he can keep. Mm. 
as he grows up, not everything is important in the, in the bin. And he has to make room for the important stuff in there. Yeah. Now, that stuff, that blankie or whatever that he put in there when he was two and he let go of, mommy might not want to let go of it. <laughs> so you might have to put yeah. it in your bin. <laughs> right. <laughs> there could be an overflow bin. Yes. Yeah. Some things it's just not, you can't let go of. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, and it's okay, and we just have to love ourselves and know that it it, it evokes a memory in, in us, but, you know, we do have cameras on our phones. We have cameras with us every single day, and you can take, and, the, you know, that's the beauty of the, you know, smartphone world we live in. We can take a picture of something, and there we have it. Yeah, and getting creative with how you store those memories, too. Like, I know some people have said, but it's one of my favorite shirts. But then I saw someone take a picture of the shirt, just the pattern on the shirt, Mm -hmm. and then make it as the matting behind a picture of the kid wearing the shirt. And it was like, oh, look at that. Oh, how cute. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's like if you can think of creative ways just to re, you know. Put it back into your your world and your home. It's neat. Now, if you're you're creative and you like to sew, you could take the the t-shirts that your husband won't let go of because it was a <laughs> concert he went to and it was an amazing yeah. concert. Yes. You could cut out the the pictures. I'm gonna cut out the front of the t-shirt or the back or wherever it is, fronts and backs maybe, and and put them together into a little throw for the man cave. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. That's an awesome idea. Same thing for the kids. I mean, baseball games they've gone to, you know, you could do one of, you know, I'm I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. And, Mm. you know, you could do one of all your all your things you came home with as souvenirs that were shirts and T-shirts and stuff from the different seasons could be fun. But. They become clutter if you don't do something with them. You may yeah. have to, you may have to give them to somebody to make that for you to right. get it done. <laughs> yeah, and I've definitely been at that point where I'm like, oh, I have all my sorority T-shirts, and then it was like, now they've been in the closet for 15 years. So yeah, well, the point at which realizing, hey, it's okay to let them go to someone else to make the thing you want, right. and not and not being the I've got to get out the sewing machine and all that. Yeah, yeah you had the idea. And you just pass it on to someone to get it done. You might have to pay money for that, but so what? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. If you want to keep it, then you need to turn it into something that is going to be useful. I love the idea of the matting behind the behind the picture. That's yeah. just adorable. Yeah, it was. That was cute. And, um, and then the picture of the kid wearing it or whatever the special event was. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So thank you for coming back. I don't know if you have any, I mean, I know last time we talked about your book is how is that going? If you want to. Well, it's still yeah. going. Yeah. It's still going. Uh, I need to get in that project mode and do something every day on it. Yeah. But I haven't done that. This summer's kind of been, we had a, a lot of traveling this spring. So I've just been kind of being kind to myself this summer. Nice. Just, just relaxing and writing a little and, you know, just doing my daily work and keeping the house in order and, Taking care of these critters, which Robert does most of it. They just look at me like, what are you doing now? (laughs) Aw, that's wonderful. Yeah. And any other, I don't know, final words? I usually ask two questions, but you've already answered them. So (laughs) I don't know if you have any final ideas on how to fight overwhelm or, you know, get into a place that feels, you know, more like home for people. Well, a lot of times when we feel overwhelmed, It's because we've made this big list and this big list looks at us and says, why aren't you doing me? So we got to break it down into one, two, three things, maybe five things or six things and put them on a little slip of paper. Write each one on a little slip of paper or write the list down and put six numbers in a bowl and pick out a number and do that on your list. Mm -hmm. You will not believe how much stuff you can get done (laughs) yes yeah we kind of call that fly lady bingo i love it and i do this at at thanksgiving too i have little um i have 12 tiles robert made me these little wooden tiles Mm -hmm. and i put one to 12 on there and michelle and her husband come over for thanksgiving dinner and when she walks in the door she she comes early because we 
have dinner at four. And she says, what can I do to help? And I said, just there's a list and pull a number out of the bowl. (laughs) (laughs) And we can just back and forth, back and forth and get things, get so much stuff done. You wouldn't believe it. That's so, that is awesome. That's fun. That would be great for any party. Like any time. That's, that's awesome. Anytime. You just sit down and make a list of six things and then put those six numbers in a bowl and just have fun with it. It's all about finding joy. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I do a reverse scavenger hunt. I pick <laughs> up one thing, like right now my coffee cup is still sitting on my coffee table. Isn't that what it's for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it's sitting on my coffee table. It needs to go into the dishwasher. Well, I'll take it to the dishwasher, and then I'll look around to see if there's something there that could go someplace else. And I'll do it for a count of five till I've done five items, or I'll set the timer for 15 minutes and do it till the timer goes off. And you can get things put away, but you're, you've made a game out of it. And right. when when you can get creative, and we are creative people, our brains never stop mm. coming up with fun ideas. And when you get into that mode of coming up with fun, wow, your house is going to look wonderful. <laughs> I fully agree. Well, thank you so much, Marla. It's been just, it's always a joy to speak with you. So thank you for coming back. And um, yeah, take care. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Have a great summer. Thanks. You too. Get that yard straightened out. (laughs) I'm going to go back out there. I see another branch. Thank you so much, Marla, for coming back for that third interview. It's just such a joy to have you on the show. I love the conversations that we get to have, and I hope you guys did too. If you want to see the show notes and get all those links and more information, you can head on over to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 46, and you'll see all the information there. (laughs) If you want to listen to her other two episodes, those are episode 18 and 19, and those will be in the show notes as well. And if you're looking for a life coach, of course, that is what I do. (laughs) That's my full-time job, along with being a podcaster. I love working with women who are or facing some sort of change in their life. And that might be something like, you know, changing in career, changing in lifestyle. And they really are trying to navigate the overwhelm and the details that come up for them and in that transition. I really love transformation and digging in and looking at the transformative nature of joy. And so if you're interested in talking to a coach, I am at jumpstartyourjoy.com and you can find a link to schedule with me in the bottom right hand side of the page. It's really easy. I hope that you guys will come on back for episode 47. It's with Cam Adair, and he is the founder of Game Quitters, and he is a recovering video gaming addict. Oh my goodness, we had the most amazing conversation about video games and life and changing your circumstances. It is an episode you don't want to miss. So I hope you will come on back next week. And until then... I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.